Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm Steve Gallo, your host, joined by my trusty sidekick, partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's the best um, co-host in the world doing? The best co-host in the world is doing a great job right now. Uh, He's living on cloud nine after taking down an additional two, and then technically three, uh, GPPs on Fanball this past weekend. Nice, very nice. Yeah, I think we had a pretty good week last week on our um, PSVs, actually. Yes, we did. Uh, and uh, I'd like to point out that uh, even though one of the major arguments I had uh, for benching Cooper Cup last week was because I thought that he would be shadowed by J.C. Horn and then J.C. Horn didn't play, Carolina still managed to hold Cooper Cup in play yep. uh, in, in check. I mean, he had a, a good game by wide receiver standards, but, but a poor standards. game by Cooper Cup standards. Yeah, and, and poor game by DFS pricing standards. Oh, a horrible game by the base, yeah. Yep. So, you know what? We're hard to believe, but we're six weeks in. There's still only one undefeated team left standing. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, I'm going to take it while I can. And they go into the bye, so they're not going to, there's still going to be one undefeated team left standing after the week seven games conclude. Um, and then you've got couple of powerhouses that went at it this weekend buffalo kansas city i was giving the edge to kansas city simply because they were at home but buffalo even being a little short-handed on defense did a great job especially when they made milano the spy um and it cost patrick and the chiefs possibly what could be home field advantage yeah no i i have to agree it was a good game on both sides there were miscues by both sides and and there were fantastic plays by both sides and as a Chiefs fan, obviously, I wish the outcome would have been reversed. But I really can't complain because it was actually an enjoyable football game to watch, which we haven't seen a ton of lately. <laughs> yeah. No, we have not. We've seen a lot of awful football. I will add this, though, because the Eagles, as I said, are 6-0. and It's a good time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. The Phillies knocked out the 100-plus win Braves to – make their way into the NLCS for the first time since I think it was 2011. I was at the last game that they lost in the NLCS, so I will not be going back to the NLCS and jinxing them at all. I will watch from the comforts of my home, hoping to see them oust the Padres so that they can go back to the World Series. Um, and uh, World well, Series- tell us more about the uh, aptitude of the Flyers and the 76ers. The Sixers, you know, it's... The Sixers are actually in a good spot. I think everybody's excited for them. The Flyers, we don't have to talk about them right now. 
We, they, they get the residual from everybody else doing well. But, yeah, no, we don't have to talk about the Flyers. Let's just not do that right now. No, no the Flyers have gritty. The there you go. The record, but, uh, there you go. Flyers um, have gritty. Obviously, it'll be fun to see what happens with, uh, with the Eagles as the season goes on because as much as – I mean, they beat my Vikings. They beat Dallas yesterday. They've, they've been winning uh, convincingly with great defense and great offense. But I still get the feeling online that a lot of uh, the Twitterverse – thinks of them as kind of paper yeah. tigers. And here's the thing. Maybe they are, right? And But you can't fault them for beating who's been put in front of them. That's part of the season, right? You've got to beat the people you're supposed to beat. And good teams do that and bad teams don't. Here's the other thing. There are four, un, four teams with winning records in the NFL, right? I'm sorry, in the NFC right now. They are the Eagles, the Vikings, the Cowboys, and the Giants. And we know at least two of those teams, the Cowboys and Giants, are really kind of getting by with smoke and mirrors. Well, but the other part of that is the Eagles have beaten two of those three teams and haven't faced the third team yet. And I do believe that when they face the Giants, then they'll be able to say they beat the Giants also. Yeah, I mean, look, looking at the collection of whatnot that the Giants have been throwing out there on offense, it's amazing to think that they are where they are. I mean, it's not like their defense is elite no. by any standpoint. I mean, they lost a lot of players from the previous year, but they, they've actually stepped up and played decent this year on both sides of the ball, considering. Their defense is nice enough that it's not a liability week to week. Their offense... And I think that everyone assumes that they are because they were previously. Yeah, their offense, though, their offense cannot sustain the winning rate that they have. Like, they've got five wins right now. Okay, five wins, six weeks, so there's, what, 11 games left? I would not be surprised to see them not hit nine wins. <laughs> we well, here's the thing, though. Just harken back to three years ago. What would you think about the Giants' offensive capabilities knowing three years ago that they're – Rookie quarterback on his rookie contract would be back for his fifth season. Uh, unbeknownst, he wouldn't sign. They would have a healthy Saquon Barkley back playing up and above his regular skill set. They would have had Kenny Galladay as their wide receiver one, fresh off a huge season in the Detroit Lions. They would have Kadarius Toney and Wandale Robinson, two high-round draft picks, behind them at wide receiver, and, and Darius Slayton, too, who they already had on their roster. Now, if you told me three years ago that that was going to be the lineup for the Giants, you would have said, oh, that team's going to be Super Bowl-bound. Well, obviously, not everything has panned out as well as they could have there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Daniel Jones is the weak link there. He just he, he makes some plays. He makes some boneheaded plays. I think that he's the undoing of that team. Saquon has to stay healthy, no doubt about it. Um, Tony, can he get back on the field ever? And who knows what's up with Galladay. Wendell's not going to be able to do it all. He had an ungodly target share for only playing limited snaps um, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he could end up being the uh, Giants version of uh, the last couple of years with the Jets when they had Jamison Crowder there. Basically the only uh, legitimate, competent receiver to throw the ball to. So... He's going to continue to see a, lar a large target share just because of that. And I'll tell you what, since, we, since I found a way to work in the Phillies and baseball, I just have to wonder, both the Giants and the Jets have winning records. I wonder how that has helped to 
subside the pain that the Mets fans had from getting ousted and bounced in the first round of the playoffs? A little bit, I'm sure, but also it's probably helping keep the uh, the people up for political election in New York uh, out of the uh, front page of the news, too. <laughs> there you go. That is true. Well, I'll tell you what. We're done chatting. I'm going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Following an argument with the coaching staff on Sunday, Robbie Anderson was dealt from the Carolina Panthers to the Arizona Cardinals. This, of course, raises the obvious question. Doesn't Arizona already have an aging, tall, outside receiver that doesn't get used at all in A.J. Green? (laughs) In related news, Arizona wide receiver Marquise Brown suffered a fractured foot on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Prior to the x-rays, there was even some doubt if Brown would be able to suit up again this season. Now it appears that he will only be out for about six weeks. At this time, Blitz Podcast News can neither confirm nor deny that Brown will be spending these six weeks in water-based rehab at the same hotel that his cousin Antonio has been frequenting. (laughs) It was reported that some personnel at the New Orleans Saints wanted to put Michael Thomas on IR earlier this year with his foot injury. Unfortunately, they were talked out of it on the belief that Michael Thomas might return from his injury in less than four weeks. (laughs) Thomas returned from an injury early? Yeah, I think we've all heard that one several times before. (laughs) Speaking of injuries, injured quarterback Dak Prescott is expected back in week seven. Apparently, Cooper Rush will have to wait until week one of next season and his very first start for the Carolina Panthers to have a shot to record his next win. (laughs) And finally, the Titans have cut Josh Gordon from their practice squad. The lottery to determine who gets to cut him next will occur at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, this coming Wednesday on the Ocho. This has been your BPN News. He may be the only guy that's ever been announced that he was cut from a practice squad. And how many times now? It's at least twice this season. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, God. What and the last time he was fantasy relevant, what, 2013? 2015? Something like that. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but it's a shame. We, we, we all missed out by not seeing Josh during his prime for an extended period of time. Any event, um, what, ha- what didn't happen is he didn't get traded. He got cut. Robbie Anderson got traded, right? So yes. that's my segue into what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about trades in fantasy football. Um, And we'll give you our views on how to make good trades, how to make bad trades. Of course, you don't want to do that. And just trading in general. And then, of course, we'll have our talk about our PSVs, our pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays for DFS. But first, Harley, when it comes to trading in fantasy football, what is your key, number one, most important thing to remember? Well, the most important thing to remember is to... Meet the needs of both parties. Basically, if you go into a trade looking to just help yourself, and I'm not saying you shouldn't try to win the trade, but if you go into it just looking to help yourself, you're not going to satisfy your partner in the trade. So 
that's not my number one. It's eke every ounce of value you can from your trading partner. No, I agree with you. <laughs> In a sense, it's have fun, but it's don't look to be a jerk, right? You're looking yes. for something be, to be equitable. It, you, look, yeah, you see the bad trades happen in your leagues all the time. You're why not me? Well, oh, well, it wasn't you. But that doesn't mean that you have to go out and try to fleece somebody. Um, you will lose more trades in the future that won't happen because of something like that, then you will be in that guy that is known as fair. And by fair, I mean you're giving value and you're getting value that you need. If you need to steal something from someone, then guess what? You don't need to deal because you shouldn't deserve to win anyway. Well, we always talk about uh, when you're making deals, buying low and selling high. But at the same time, while you're trying to maximize value from your end in terms of return, you also need to look at the perceived value of that player yeah. to the other team. And that, that's the key thing here is now a lot of people will say, well, uh, what if I offer you three players for one player where you're, you're getting three players to help your team's depth, but you're, you're giving up the best player in the deal. And, and from a trading standpoint, I don't, I don't like doing that because what people don't look at and don't think about is, if you're receiving three players, you need to really be lacking in depth because ultimately to acquire those three players, you're cutting two players from the bottom of your roster, two potential dart throws, two potential yep. uh, lottery tickets that might have a perceived value to you. So when you look at a three-for-one deal, the combined value of the three players you're getting versus the one player may look advantageous to you, but always remember to... When, when you write this down on paper and look at, write down the name of the two players you would cut to make that deal happen and then ask yourself, would I still make this deal? Well, and you know what? For a lot of leagues, they don't even have to look at it as a cut. They have to include them because it, most leagues have roster limits. And you can't. You may be doing a theoretical three-for-one because you're going to give me two guys I know you would cut, right? But you mm -hmm. still have to wind up including them in the trade. Um, but, yeah, that's a really important part to understand. Uh, have I been involved in trades where I've given the one to get the three if I really thought that the three could all be starters for me and help me? Yeah, and maybe I thought one had a higher ceiling than the others. Not very often, but it, yet more often than not, a trade like that's not going to work. What's going to work is you have a deficiency at wide receiver and you have a plethora of running backs and you're able to trade a back and a lesser wide receiver for a better wide receiver and a lesser running back, basically. And that's what most trades should be. Yes. Um, now, obviously, uh, it becomes more interesting in leagues that uh, only have one quarterback or only have one tight end or don't have a mandatory tight end. All of a sudden, now, value at certain positions can either go up or down depending on those league restrictions. Yep. So, again, you may be trading... Patrick Mahomes to me, and you may want to get Jonathan Taylor from me, but if your league only calls for one quarterback and your league requires two running backs and two flexes, on paper, those two are both among the best of the best at their position, but it's not a fair trade because the 12th best or the 13th best quarterback is closer to Mahomes' output than the 13th best running back would be to Jonathan Taylor's. Now, I would say, and I agree with you, 
that's also where you need to know your league and know your league mate that you're trying to trade with, right? So if you're sitting pretty, you're five and one or something like that, and you've got somebody that's three and three, and they, they need a win this week, there's buys, right? And they mm-hmm. don't have favorable matchups. They may be willing to give you a guy that's on a buy that's a little bit stronger for a guy that's playing now because they can't afford a loss. Yep. You know, that kind of thing's okay. But again, you don't want to try and squeeze the rock <coughs> to where you get blood from the rock or water from the rock, whatever the hell that saying is. Well, and here's the thing, at least from a dynasty standpoint, if you want to feel the if you feel the need to try to squeeze a little something out of extra out of a trade, ask for a future third round pick. In general, third and fourth round picks aren't perceived as having any real value in season. But I guarantee you, once you get to your rookie draft the next season, you'll be able to either use those picks to trade up and back into the second round or potentially sell those picks off for additional free agent dollars for the following season from a dynasty standpoint. And so, again, if you need to squeeze something, try, try to squeeze a third out on most drafts, on yeah. most trades. And I was going to say, we probably need to talk about dynasty a little bit because you also have to know and be honest that am I do I have a chance and if not when do I go sell say Rashad Penny right yeah um, stuff like that and, and you're right so you ask for a third or a throw-in of a th- if you, you can't come to an agreement with somebody right you feel like you're not getting enough and you say well can you throw in a third or a fourth or throw in a third and a fourth right and they'll say that's too much well how about can you just throw in a third and you get a third next year right when you're in the third round or something like that, you can, if somebody's looking to move up, you can say, well, I'll give you two thirds. I'll give you this third and that third for your second next year. And it's then, certainly possible, yeah. And then the next year, you can actually wind up turning that extra third. You got into a first round pick, basically, because now when somebody wants to trade up into the second, they'll pay you, the, they'll give you next year's first for that. So you can be methodical in thinking about this is, it's not a, it's not a wasted asset. When it's a draft pick, you can bank it and use it to help yourself down the line. Um, Rashad Penny is a good example. I have a team that I got out of the gate a little fast, a little faster than I thought. My defense on the IDP side is not as good as it should be. I'm not going to contend. And I've got CEH, and I've got Melvin Gordon, and I've got um, um, Kareem Hunt, and I have Rashad Penny. And we can start zero running backs. We can start as many as three. So I'm like, well, I need to sell Rashad. He's playing well right now. I need to sell him. And I got busy, and I didn't do it. And then guess what happens the following week? <laughs> He's done for the year. And uh, for all we know, he might be uh, uh, no more for the realm of starting running back role anywhere in the NFL. Correct. So you have to, you know, I'm not saying you should make rash, irrational decisions and just sell, sell, sell. Um, but you have to know when you want to pull the trigger because waiting, that's what can happen. You never know when a player's done for the season. You also want to make sure not to weight yourself into a corner, too. Uh, in one of the leagues that I'm in, a, a long dynasty league, uh, one of the owners had three running backs on his roster, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, and Jamal Williams. Well, obviously, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift were both on by this week. So he only had the one active running back in Joe Mixon. And uh, he basically waited until Sunday to, not Sunday, but late Saturday, to put out a post on the league website saying, hey, look, I'm willing to trade one of my depth wide receivers for uh, 
a running back to play this week or for a future draft pick. Now, obviously, he ended up making a trade for a draft pick. He sent uh, Brandon Ayuk to a team for a future second-round draft pick. And, of course, obviously, Ayuk went off big time this week, so I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. And then he proceeded to pick up, uh, I think it was Joshua Kelly uh, from tonight's game off the waiver wire. It, it was basically a, a secondary running back that was not going to really produce much of anything this week, more than likely. So he kind of backed himself into a corner by waiting too long on that. I mean, if, yeah. if you know you've got something coming up, such as a bye week quandary or yep. if you're sitting on a suspended player and you, you need to figure out a way to, to get a player in, don't wait till the last second because you might end up accidentally overpaying for something. Yep. That's absolutely one way to get yourself tucked into a corner and get taken advantage of. So you definitely want to try and avoid that. And I'll, I'll, you think he was being taken advantage of when I saw the trade of Ayuk for could've, a second. I thought, well, that's a decent that's, return for it, That's fair. But I'm saying you, you open yourself up to being taken advantage of. Yes. So, um, yeah, I've seen some fairly good trades in my time. I've seen some fairly bad trades. I've done some trades where I clearly did not care that I was considered the loser in it. I got my guy. Now, it's different when you're in Dynasty versus Redraft because you can be getting your guy knowing that he's going to help you a ton next year if you're right. Um, but I've done a few of those trades where, yeah, I have given a, you know two much better players for one player that I was banking on that would show out the following year, and some of them I've been right on and some of them I've been wrong on. I will say this from a Dynasty standpoint, though. Do not get suckered into the you're always trading for the future. Yes. Oh. It's, 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 it's really sickening when I see these people talking about trading third-year wide receivers and, and second-year running backs at, at their peak for, for future draft picks. I'm like, if you keep doing this, you're never going to find yourself in the money. No, <laughs> Sooner you- or later, you've got to set the line and say, okay, this is the year I'm targeting. Now, if injuries and uh, hijinks and bad luck befall me, it, that's what happens. But if you're constantly playing for the future, you're never playing for the present. Yeah, I was going to say, at some point you have to play for the future. For me, when I look at my dynasty timeline, I'm looking at a three-year window, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking at a player beyond three years. I'm not looking to trade him because I think that, but like that's, I'm working in that window, three years. I'm not looking to win five years from now. I'm looking to win now, next year, or the year after. Every move I make is for that. One of my favorite things in Dynasty is getting discounts on solid vets that are coming off either poor seasons or injury. They are always cheaper than what they absolutely should be. One of the best ways to build depth on a Dynasty team. Exactly. And it's those, those seasoned vets are the ones that ultimately end up paying off when, say, such and such superstar youngster, like, well, we're watching right now the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers out of Anaheim play. And uh, basically, uh, at the start of the year, everyone was wasting first and early second round picks on Javante Williams, expecting the big breakout. And you couldn't get a second round pick for Melvin Gordon. I bet a lot of those teams would wish that they had traded that second-round pick for Melvin Gordon now. Yeah, so I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be putting Gordon on the block in my dynasty league. Um, somebody's going – look, running backs are thin, especially it's a 16-team league, so you know he's going to have some value. I might as well cash it in when I know it's not going to do anything for me. 
Well, I think this would be a good week to uh, to deal him afterwards because the Chargers are rotten against the run, so he should have a pretty good line, assuming that his neck injury doesn't uh, cause him to spend too much time on the sidelines. And assuming he doesn't fumble like three times. Which certainly could happen. Yes, unfortunately. Um, and, run, you know, Gordon's a good example of running backs get old fast. Right? They just do. Um, I, I have one team that's got Zeke and Gordon on it, and, I mean, Three years ago, I could have traded one of them for future draft picks, but I was right in the middle of, uh, of a series of dynasty wins, or at least dynasty challenges, and I didn't trade them. And coming into this season, I, I couldn't get pennies on the dollar for either of them. Now, obviously, I'm at the point now in the season where I could certainly trade one of them and get something for them at least. So, yeah, and that's always a good thing, right? You want to try and get something for someone. Um, let me go back a few years here. When was David Johnson last good? 2017-ish? I want to say 17 or 18, yeah. Probably before his trade to Houston. Definitely before the trade to Houston. Um, I once had a lineup at running back, and I can't remember if I actually won the league or I came in and lost in the finals or something like that. But remember, we can start zero running backs in this league. Um... It's pretty good like that. So let's see. Yeah, I had Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, and LaShawn McCoy in a 16-team league. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, They got old fast, though. You know, and somehow Gordon is still on my team. Um, Luckily, he's been pretty productive, though, as somebody that you can – you got to have depth, and, and that works. But at some point, yeah, I should have traded him when his value was higher. That's for sure. That is definitely true. So, all right. Any last tidbits that you'd like to give the listeners with regards to when it comes to trading? Well, again, just when you go into a trade, e- even if you don't think you won the trade, if you can go out and acquire someone that you want to have on your team, because you want to, you want that player to represent you from your fantasy stand, fantasy standpoint. Go and do it. If it means you overpay a little bit, that's fine. If it means you maybe don't get the best value for it, that's fine. If you got the player you want to watch and want to root for every week, make that trade. But you want to know what? This is my other big piece of advice. Do not panic trade. You don't have to panic trade. Either don't do anything or sit down, figure it out, and find a trading partner. Um, And don't trade just to trade for the sake of wanting to be involved in the, the thrill of the kill, so to say, right? Um, I, I, I've been a fantasy baseball league uh, in, in their 20th year. Uh, one of the owners is a compulsive trader, is what I like to call him. Uh, literally every single season, he flips his entire roster. And this is a, a league where you come out of the auction draft with a 33-man roster, and by the end of the season, he'll have 33 different players on his team. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I didn't. I never did that, but I was pretty early on in my my fantasy career. I, I was a I was a serial trader. Um, one of my league mates dubbed me Gordon Gecko because um, I was <laughs> tough to trade with. But I, I learned from that. You know what I mean? Not, but I always I was I was tough, but I was fair. I, I'd pay when I wanted to pay, and I'd be a little you know more stringent if I'm like, well, you know, I don't have to trade this guy. Stand your ground. You don't have to trade him. If you like him enough and you're like, but I'd trade him for an upgrade, 
then stand your ground. You don't have to give in, but you don't have to be a jerk about it either. So um, at the end of the day, I think you nailed it. Have fun. Get the guys you want on your team so it makes it easier for you to root for them. And, of course, if it helps you win, all the better. And I think that makes a good segue into our DFS segment, where, as in the words of Gordon Gecko, breed is good. <laughs> You're right. That was a good segue. All right. So for those new to the show, we are going to give you a pay up, a stay away, and a value play at each of the four um, skill positions. No kickers are not included. Neither are defenses. Um, Harley's going to set an over under. He and I do not discuss any of this prior. Um, and we'll see where we're at. I don't know if we've hit many overs or unders this year so far. I think we've been wrong just about every. Yeah, Vegas has been very good. We've been hitting the even pretty much on all of them. Yeah. And this time is not going to be any uh, any easier on us. So I'm going to put the line at four. I'm going to take the over on four. Okay. With a small qualifier, I may have picked multiple players at, at some of the positions. <laughs> That's okay. All right, get us started. Who are you going to pay up for at the quarterback spot? I'm going to pay up for a guy that we're watching on TV right now, and of course we are recording on Monday Night Football here. Russell That's Wilson? Justin Herbert. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not paying up for Russell Wilson this week. I'm paying up for Justin Herbert versus Seattle. Uh, Seattle is actually, everyone talks about them being really, really bad against the pass this year, but their numbers on paper haven't been that horrible. But then again, they haven't faced a quarterback anywhere near Herbert's skill set yet. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do against against Herbert at home. I, I think that he's going to be in for a pretty decent day. So we have a match to start us off. I wrote down two names. I circled Herbert. He is facing a team, Seattle team, that has given up the eighth most points to the um, quarterback position. Another guy I considered but wound up going to Herbert instead was Joe Burrow, who's facing a team that's given up the 10th most fantasy points this year. So we get all this. You mentioned Burrow because I've actually been in the process of rebuilding some DFS laps for next week. And I think that Burrow's my highest known player so far. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think Atlanta has done a lot with smoke and mirrors and it's in Cincinnati. And I think they should have performed better this past week. I know it took them a while to to secure that win. Um, So I think we're, we're due for a big Joe Burrow game. Yeah, and again, I mean, if you throw out his first game this season, he's actually been very good and very consistent all year long after that first game. So who are you staying away from? And I'm going to say this. There are a bunch of them I could stay away from. <laughs> uh, I settled on the sixth highest priced guy on DraftKings, that being uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Uh, here's the thing with Tom Brady. Uh, we've talked a little bit about how Carolina has been shutting down first uh, – wide receiver ones all season. Uh, now they're facing a, a back-to-back weeks. They're facing an aging pass first quarterback that doesn't move around in the pocket behind a piecemeal offensive line on the season. Carolina has only allowed eight passing touchdowns and four of their six games. They've only allowed one passing touchdown. Meanwhile, Brady for all of his accolades, he's thrown for one score in five of six games this year. So I mean, I think your upside with Brady is is at the point now where you're hoping Brady gets two touchdowns in a game, and I just don't think he will here. So uh, I had two guys I wrote down. Tom Brady was the first one that I wrote down. Okay, um, He's facing a team that, believe it or not, has given up their middle of the road, 18th most points to um, the quarterback position. Then I wrote another name down. And he's facing a team that's given up the fewest points to the, to the position. 
Um, he's on the road, which you know I never like, if it's a tiebreaker. And he's coming off a loss, which to me now says, ah, he, he, he's going to have to find a way to perform. It was Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the day, I crossed Mahomes out and went to Brady because based on that offensive line and the way he's performed of late, he's looking closer to 50 than Tom the Goat, honestly. It's interesting. I almost chose Patrick Mahomes as my pay-up. Wow, really? <coughs> I just – it's in San Fran. That never means anything necessarily. Can you um, name me three current starters on the San Francisco defense that are healthy? No, and that's why I, initially, that's why, <laughs> that's why I crossed him out. Um, Nick Bosa plays. Eh, tick, and you may want to think about not having Not healthy, though. Right, I know. <laughs> you're right. So, yeah, it's – that's – all in all, that's why looking at the numbers don't always doesn't always tell you the straight facts, basically, right? Um, and that that's why I think that he's going to be a sneaky play this week because a lot of people will just look at the matchup, yeah, see it's on the road, see it's in San Francisco, think to themselves, oh, San Francisco, great defensive team, without looking at the fact. I mean, look at the injury report coming out of this past weekend's game. It was twenty-two people, I believe, that came out of the game with some level of injury. There's yeah. only 22 starters. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yep. Okay. So we're two for two. That that over better hit. I think it's going to now. I, the, the, I thought we might have one quarterback. I didn't think we'd hit two of them. Well, let's see if we can get three. I had trouble with the, the value play, quite honestly. I have two guys. I crossed one out. I landed on one. I don't love any of the cheap guys, quite honestly. But who do you land on as your value play? Uh, I, I did the same thing. I kind of bounced around a little bit. And I settled on Geno Smith. Uh, traveling to face the Chargers. Chargers have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in every game except for one this season. And Smith, on his behalf, he has multiple TDs in four of his six games. So, I mean, you're looking at Geno Smith, and I have more faith in Geno Smith throwing for two touchdowns than I do in Tom Brady this week. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, honestly, I didn't look at Geno because he was more middle of the pack. I was looking for something that was a little bit cheaper, or a lot cheaper, quite honestly. Um and it's pretty ugly when you get Bellucino. Um, it really is. So I was looking at Marcus Mariota, which is a few hundred dollars cheaper than Gino. He's actually more mm-hmm. money on on um, DraftKings. FanDuel. Which one? FanDuel. FanDuel. He's a little more money on FanDuel, which was shocking, um, which is what helped me to disqualify him. And I wound up going way down and picking a guy that's coming off a bye who's facing – a defense that has given up the most points to fantasy quarterbacks of any team in the league. Now, granted, a lot of that is because of some of the quarterbacks that they face, but I think that if you're going to plug a cheap guy in, Davis Mills at $5,000, especially in DraftKings, is a decent value play. Two fifty and 2 I, I don't mind that, actually. I, I like Davis Mills. He's obviously got a few weapons to work with there now. Uh, you could also take a, a shot on a guy like Taylor Heineke, who's probably going to get the start for Washington this week. Yeah. Uh, bottom of the barrel pricing, 5000 or 6600 Uh Jacoby Brissett also kind of interests me uh, on the road against Baltimore. Now, we have kind of picked on Baltimore a little bit this year based on their overall stats, but those stats were obviously fueled heavily by uh, big performances by Joe Flacco and Tua Tagovailoa in the first two games against them. Uh, they've gotten better on defense over the last couple of weeks. But I still think Brissett's probably in for a 220 and two game, so he's another possibility not that low into the spectrum. That's the key. They're they're priced so cheaply that you can get something in the mid twos and a couple touchdowns, and you'll pay off yourself. 
perhaps even Daniel Jones, who could have a game on the ground against Jacksonville. That is who I actually thought you were possibly going to go with. Uh, I actually used him in a lot of lineups this past week, and he came up pretty good for me. But, uh, yeah, uh, this Jacksonville defense isn't as bad as they've been past. I, I think that they're they're still young, but they've got some good skill position players. They've got some speed, which is nice. And I think that can kind of keep Jones in, in check. And, again, we really got to see a little bit more from the receiving core there before we trust him too much in the offense. Yeah. Now, the real question is, if the game was in prime time, would Bailey Zappi have been your value play? <laughs> well, uh, Bailey Zappi might just take that job over. I know he's played in the last couple of weeks. He, he certainly at least deserves uh, an opportunity to get some first-team reps in the, each week now. Rather, I mean, If Mac Jones is ready to go this week, Mac Jones wasn't a bad quarterback by any means. I don't think he is a bad quarterback. Yeah, just- but. Zappy just looks more exciting. He makes that offense look more exciting when he was out there. Yeah, I mean, he's just a guy, basically, for, for Mac, that is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Bill, Bill knows how to work wonders, so let's run on over to running back. Who I think we're going to match right here, right off the bat. Who are you paying up for at the running back spot? I don't know if we're going to match or not. Uh, I, I went with a guy that I wasn't totally sure on. That's Derrick Henry, A200 on DraftKings, 9200 on FanDuel. Coming off a bye, so his legs are a little rested up. He's facing an Indianapolis team that he already ran over for 187 yards on a touchdown earlier this year. In the last two games, Indianapolis has given up a total of 408 total yards to opposing backfields. Henry is being used in the passing game now, too, which is nice. So he's going to get a few receptions, something that he really hasn't had in the past. I I dig this play. I I think that he's going to be a a good value play, even at 8200 and 9200. Uh, I did not. I did not look at Derrick Henry probably as hard as I should have. You made a very good, compelling case for him, but I have breaking news. There is less than two minutes to go in the first quarter of the Monday night game with Denver versus the Chargers, and the Denver Broncos have scored ten points in the first quarter. I would also like to say, as part of this breaking news, uh, Denver just threw for a touchdown pass to Greg Dolchich who I did manage to start in the captain slot of at least two different lineups on DraftKings. <laughs> there you go, tight end whisperer. All right. Uh, I, I've, I've not yet brought up my DraftKings lineups for tonight, but I really want to see where, where he places in those two right now. But do it. His price tag was $300. <laughs> well, you, so there you go. That shows it's not always about the price that somebody is on the high end when you want to put them in your captain's spot. But for all serious, this is Greg Dulcich's first game of the season. He was an IR to miss the first half of the season. Very hyped last year. I talked about him a little bit in last week's DFS domination during the primetime slate. I suggested him. This guy here is an impact tight end. He is everything that everyone wanted Albert Obakunam to be this year and that Albert hasn't been. Uh, by the end of the season, Greg Dulcich is going to be a tight end one. Wow, wow, that's big words. All right, so you're paying up for Derrick Henry. I'm paying up for a guy that's in this game, Um, Austin Eckler. He has a pristine matchup against a Seattle team that's given up the fourth most points to the running back position. He seems to know how to find the end zone. He hasn't yet tonight. I do believe he'll at least find it at least once, maybe twice. Um, 
Yeah, I think that Eckler's got a great matchup. It's going to be hard-pressed to get to three times value on FanDuel. He'll <laughs> need almost you know 28 points just about and a little better than 24 on DraftKings. But I think he's got, because of the amount of catches he can have, it's like Christian McCaffrey back in his heyday, right? When mm-hmm. you knew that he was going to get you 80% of the way there just based on his reception stuff. So I think Eckler's a solid payup if you're going to pay him. Well, you just mentioned the guy that I'm staying away from. That's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I didn't really want to stay away from any of these guys. I kind of like all their matchups. Uh, really, the uh, highest-priced guy <coughs> that I didn't care for was Aaron Jones uh, at Washington. But you know what? I, I sell the McCaffrey. Tampa has actually struggled some against opposing running backs this year. But historically speaking, they're, they're among the elite at stopping the position. Uh, right now, McCaffrey is the only threat that Tampa really has to worry about there. I mean, are you really going to be scared of PJ Walker or Jacob Eason throwing the ball to DJ Moore and shy Smith? You're not. I mean, if I was Tampa, I would put four guys on McCaffrey and let the rest of the defense cover. Uh, I mean, yeah. Terrace, Terrace Marshall and uh, shy Smith and the fumbled remains of DJ Moore. It's, it's just not going to cut. And I mean, who knows by this time next week, we, might have Christian McCaffrey on a different team, too. We don't know that. That's possible. So we have another match. Um, McCaffrey, to, to make matters worse, I know that the perception may be that Tampa hasn't been strong, but they've only surrendered the 30th most points to the running back spot. So it's not like it's a great spot anyway. Um, and then you take to the fact that he needs to hit you almost 28-ish points, you know, 27-ish points to get, get three times value. Um, I think he's a no-brainer stay away, honestly. Yeah, although I have to admit, he at least has been involved in the passing game the last couple of weeks, which is something we couldn't say. That is true. Uh, the first few weeks under Matt Rule. That is true. So we don't know if it was a Matt Rule thing or a Baker Mayfield thing, but I think it was a Matt Rule thing. So we'll see. You see, I actually think it was a Baker Mayfield thing. I I think that uh, Baker's activity in the pocket led him to be more prone to want to take off with the ball himself instead of doing those short dump offs. Yeah. I guess, I guess I guess we'll see though. At some point we're going to see, right? Uh perhaps. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe. All right. What about the value play? What did you do here at value play? I'm choosing the exact same player I chose last week and that's Kenneth Walker. Next week he is at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are coming into tonight's game. The Chargers were allowing 159 combo yards to opposing running backs on the year. And over the last three weeks coming into this week, so weeks uh, three, four, and five, they've allowed over 187 yards per game to opposing running backs. They've also allowed six running back touchdowns over that last three-week period. Walker looked pretty solid last week in his first start against what I would describe as a tougher defense to run against in Arizona. And the only possible negative here is if I'm saying, well, okay, it's going to be a passing game, it's going to be a big game for Geno Smith, I probably can't afford to use both Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker in a lineup, but mix and match. Do a lineup where Geno's your quarterback and maybe you have like Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf as your wide receiver one. Yep. And do a lineup that focuses on the Chargers offense and then throw Kenneth Walker in as a run it back type player. Yep. So we have the push. So not the first name uh, I wrote down. I wrote down Dobbins and Pollard. They were my first two names that I wrote down. I love Dobbins' matchup, but I'm worried about his snap count. I'm worried about his injury that he had this past week, worried about how much they continue to involve 
um, Kenyon Drake because of that, right? Um, yeah, I, I was really, when I saw the line for Kenyon Drake, I figured something had happened to Dobbins, but I couldn't see anywhere anyone report what actually happened to him. Yeah, he definitely had some. I don't remember exactly what it was. I had the game. I was half watching that and doing something else, unfortunately. Um, it wasn't a very compelling game when I was watching it. Um, but I, I want to love the matchup. But when you have that, those question marks, you have to be able to walk away from it, right? Um, yeah, and again, I mean, maybe that means that uh, you throw out uh, Kenyon Drake as a like a flex play to get some exposure to the game again, again against the Cleveland running right. defense. It's been oh horrid, so yes. horrid. We talked about last week: 500 yards in two games given up by their running back uh, defense. Uh, it, it's a great matchup to exploit. But again, not knowing which one, uh, I would have a hard time choosing again. Unless you plan on making multiple lineups with both of them in there. Yep. Not with both of them in there on the same lineup, but like multiple lineups with one have each different one. And then here's it's the just, thing. It's not great. And here's the thing. His FanDuel price isn't cheap. He's 6600 bucks. No, no, no. <laughs> he, jump, he jumps a whole bunch of players at that price. Um so maybe I would say I'd take a chance on him and doing something like you said at DraftKings. But anyway, so then I looked at Tony Pollard, and, and Pollard is much cheaper, of course, on on DraftKings than he is FanDuel, fifty seven versus sixty five hundred. And while I do love the matchup, I just I couldn't get away from looking at Walker and, and just saying I don't see how I pass on him at that price right now. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you're talking about Pollard here because. Uh, based on their usage the last couple of weeks, I almost considered Ezekiel Elliott as my value play this week. In that yeah. matchup. Well, the other thing with Walker is he is facing a team that's given up the most points to the fantasy running back position. So for me, that's a sell, sell, sell. I'll buy it all day long. Um, is seventy three hundred bucks is a little higher. Um, that's why I was said I, I might have thought about splitting it, but I'm not. I'm just going to say let's run it, run it out there with him, and hope for the best. Yes. Who is your pay-up at wide receiver? So my pay-up at wide receiver, I had a small little problem with this because I kind of liked a few guys. I kind of didn't like a few guys. Um, and then I looked down. I was like, they're too low for me to call them my pay-up. At the end of the day, I kind of hinted to this where I told you who, my, who I almost paid up for at quarterback, but I didn't. So my pay-up is going to get me a part of what I didn't pay up for at quarterback, and that's Jamar Chase at home against the Falcons. And we have tumbled the over. Jamar Chase is my pay-up also. The Falcons have actually struggled with wide receiver ones all season. Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, and Mike Evans have all had solid games, if not great games, against the Atlanta defense. And, and depending on what you consider the wide receiver one for San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk had two touchdowns last week whereas Debo is more kind of that uh, volatile, multi-positional role player. Uh, Chase, he got back on the horse last week because T. Higgins was back in the field. Now, normally you'd think, well, T. Higgins is on the field. That's going to draw targets away from Chase. No, what happens is when T. Higgins is on the field, defenses have to respect both of them, in addition to Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst, and that just means more room for Chase to operate. And Chase obviously had a huge game with two touchdowns last week. Yep, so I don't disagree with any of that. I, I actually thought about being cute and saying T. Higgins <laughs> to save <laughs> almost two grand. Um, there basically isn't anybody that's going to catch the ball from Burrow that I wouldn't like in that game. But, yeah, I'm paying up for Jamar Chase. He's staying away from. 
this is where I had a little difficulty because I did uh, I did actually like most of the uh, higher end wide receivers. I, I'm not going to include Amon Ross St. Brown because we don't know his status yet. Uh, you know. I'm hoping I'm hoping he plays. Obviously, Dallas is a tough matchup for wide receiver ones there with Trayvon Diggs. Uh, so I went one step lower. I went with Mike Evans at Carolina, where I said that I don't like Tom Brady this week. But even without J.C. Horn last week, as we talked about earlier, Carolina once again minimized the impact of Cooper Cup, adding to the list of big time, not, not just not just marginal wide receiver ones, actual legit wide receiver ones struggling against this defense. Uh, Evans has caught more than five passes only one time all season. He's only scored in two games this season. This is not the Mike Evans that goes out there and gets eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown every week that we've come to expect right now. That's not his fault. That's Tom Brady's fault, and it's the offensive line's fault. So we don't have a match. I don't disagree with it. I had trouble finding my stay away. I could have said I don't like Devontae Adams' matchup, right? But he's at home coming off a bye. But I also didn't want to pay up for that when I could pay down a little bit and get Jamar Chase, right? Yes. I don't know that I love Debo Samuel's matchup, quite honestly. Um, we saw how volatile he can be and how – Ayuk was the one that stepped up this week. Um, Mike Williams is playing tonight. He just had one bounce off of his face mask. Um, but at the end of the day, I settled on a guy that's actually got he has a he has a decent matchup. He's actually facing a team that's given up the third most points to the wide receiver position. So you're like, well, how the hell are you going to stay away from him? And it's because they're on the road. They may be without their key offensive weapon like they were this past week. And I think that there are other people starting to step up that makes me just wonder. I, I think it's a trap. If you know, you know something feels like a trap, playing Michael Pittman this week feels like a trap to me. It, it's very, very weird to see Michael Pittman as the fourth highest priced guy on DraftKings. Yes. Now, I think coming into the season, we, we both agreed that he is a borderline wide receiver one. He's certainly in the top 15 conversation for wide receivers from a dynasty standpoint. But like you just said, yeah, they've got some other pieces developing now. They're using their tight ends, both Moelle Cox and Jelani Woods in the passing game. Uh, but also uh, the development of Alec Pierce has been profound. Yes, yes. His stats, we, we talked about him last week. He was actually one of my uh, value play wide receivers last week in that he's consistently improved his production week over week ever since getting himself healthy and getting himself on the field. And, and lo and behold, we even saw a Paris Campbell sighting last week. Yeah. And Paris Campbell had a bunch of hype on himself going into a couple of years ago. Obviously, his injuries uh, befell him over the last two years, kind of taking him out of the equation. But now that they've got all those guys, plus the two big tight ends. Uh, and, and, I mean, again, we don't know if Taylor's going to play. If Taylor plays, uh, obviously, Taylor's capable of catching balls out of the backfield. We certainly saw that Deion Johnson had the capability of catching balls out of the backfield. <laughs> yeah. So what I was getting at was I don't dislike Michael Pittman. If I'm going to play Michael Pittman, give me Alec, Alec Pierce at a huge discount. That's all I'm getting at. Yes, and, and again, I mean, I, I, feel you're, I feel what you're saying. I, I think I like Michael Pittman. I like Michael Pittman at 6,600. Yes. A lot more than I like Michael Pittman at 7,400. Right, yep. Those few dollars matter. Um, yes, it does. Okay, so I had trouble with my, my value play, honestly. Um, I wound up going really cheap. Really cheap, because um, I like to find cheap guys when, when we're talking value. Um, but who'd you have? Who'd you slate in as your value play this week at wide receiver? 
Well, I'm the, I wouldn't go with the guy that we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, and that's Wandale Robinson versus Jacksonville. Uh, in four of six games this season, Jacksonville has allowed at least one fantasy-relevant subordinate wide receiver. In other words, they're actually doing a pretty good job of, of limiting or shutting down opposing wide receiver ones. But in four of six games, a number two or number three receiver has done very, very well against them. Uh, Robinson technically is still the wide receiver three for New York. And I mean, we can make as many jokes about that as we want, because I, I think we all know that he's going to be the wide receiver one at some point there. But technically, he still suits up as the three, he primarily operates out of the slot. Uh, he's going to be a very, very interesting play this week. He looked absolutely incredible in the limited usage he had last week. Uh, ran Actually ran a lot of routes, though. So he's got great upside this week, and the price tag is just perfect for him right now. Yeah, I want to say he had something like almost a 40% target share, 35 40% target share. My biggest concern with him is the number of snaps and, and routes that he's running. Um, but look, when you're put, picking a value play out, you know, he's at 4500 bucks. You don't have much to complain about. I want a different route. Uh, and I went with a guy that's on the road against a team that's given up the fifth most points to the fantasy wide receiver position, a team that needs a win, a team that needs to get right. He's an old grizzled vet. Um, I don't like the play, but I, I picked Randall Cobb as my value play at 4000 5000 You might want to rethink that one because I think he just got put on IR. Oh, my goodness. See, that's what I hate when that stuff happens. <laughs> After I've already done my work and didn't realize that Cobb went on IR. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it actually, uh, it was reported between when I sent you the rosters last night and uh, this afternoon. <laughs> and I was busy this afternoon, and I missed that. My apologies. Okay, I'll take Wendell, Wright, Wendell Robinson for the win. Um, did he? Wow. I really hate when that happens. I try to double-check all my picks before we get on air just to make sure I didn't miss anything, nobody got hurt. I will say this. That one snuck up on me, too. So. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't hear of anything that happened to him other than, well, I don't know. Just goes to show we're all human. Yeah, so I, I only brought that up to because I did see that. Uh, this uh, I, have, I actually picked him up to use him in a – redraft league last week uh expecting him to have a decent game <laughs> i mean I had, I had some bi-week issues last week in that league and i picked him up and uh started him he didn't do much of anything unfortunately and uh yeah he's gonna end up on the waiver wire tomorrow in that league because obviously i don't need to hold on to a wide receiver four or five type when he's not gonna play so it says um lafleur says that they're hopeful sammy watkins can come off ir this week Randall Cobb's injury, while not season-ending, is not going to be a one-week deal. Um, they think that he missed, he avoided serious injury, but it's definitely a multi-week thing. So, yep. Here's I, an interesting question, from a standpoint of uh, this: if if Sammy Watkins comes back this week, would this technically be considered a week one for Sammy Watkins? In which case, he'll actually do good. We're not in September, so no, Sammy September. <laughs> um. Man, you know what? I looked at me. Just, just play Romeo Dobbs or Dobbs or Dobbs or pronounce his name. I actually looked at Nicole Hardman, and I think that most people are going to be off him because it's a horrible looking matchup, and we put a goose, goose egg up basically this past week, right? Um, 
No. Um, I hate to correct you again there, Steve, but uh, McCall scored a touchdown this past week. Oh, God. That's because I keep getting him and MVS mixed up. My God. I should just stop. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, in, in my defense there, I, I watched every single second of that game. So. <laughs> God, I'm having a bad night. See? I, I must have CTE or something. Um, no, I you, do. You still got vacation brain. That is true. I do. Um, I do get McColl and MVS mixed up at times. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how, but I do. It's just, MVS did drop about four passes last week. <laughs> yeah, that's what I had on the brain when I said that. Um, anyway, I liked Wandale. I looked at him earlier. I'll, be, I'll say I'm with you, but I won't take him as a match. How's that? Sounds good. All right. Let's try and not um, shit the bed anymore online, at least. <laughs> um, let's go to tight end. Who are you going to pay up for at the tight end spot? Well, uh, this might come as a little surprise. I'm going to pay up for Travis Kelsey uh, at San Francisco. His price tag is super high. Again, this ultimately comes down to the fact that San Francisco is going to be starting multiple defenders, not just a single defender. They're going to be starting more than one defender off of a practice squad or off of the street this week. <laughs> so for what it's worth, we have another match. Um, I absolutely had Kelsey as my pay up. Um, let me ask you this question. Who, who has, has San Francisco played? Uh, not much. Right. So, <laughs> Zach, I think they faced Zach Ertz from the tight end standpoint, if I remember right. I mean, they, they played the Packers in week one. No, I'm sorry, that's preseason. Without, without Robert Tunyon in that game. So. I'm sorry, that's preseason. Um, they played the Bears, so Cole Komet, so that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> they played Seattle, that doesn't count. They played the Broncos, that doesn't count. They played the Rams, Tyler Higbee, okay. Um, they played the Panthers, that doesn't count. They played the Falcons, Kyle Pitts is trash, that doesn't count. Um yeah, who else? I mean, and actually, look, Kyle got in the end zone this past week, right? Yes. So, yeah, Kelsey's going to, like, obliterate what it looks like they've been doing for the tight end posi- against the tight end position versus what Kelsey's going to do to him. Yeah, it, I mean, again, people are going to look at this on paper and think that this is a bad matchup because it's San Francisco, just like we talked about uh, earlier on. Uh, that is when you want to go out and pay up for a guy like Kelsey because – we all know what Kelsey's ceiling is, but Kelsey's ceiling when is when everyone else has a perceived floor for him is really what makes him valuable. Yep. So he's staying away from. Uh, this one uh, was actually really easy for me. I'm gonna stay away from T.J. Hawkinson coming off the bye on the road in Dallas. Dallas has allowed 153 total yards to tight ends all season. They have actually faced serviceable tight ends in every single game. It's not like they've faced a Carolina or a Seattle. They've actually faced tight ends that would be considered in the top 15 in every single week. And they've allowed a total of 153 total yards to the position this week. Plus, there's a good chance that DeAndre Swift is back this week. There's a chance that Amon Ross St. Brown is back this week. That's just going to mean that Hawkinson's targets are going to take a huge hit. Don't do it. I don't disagree with you there, um, but I almost put my stay away as the same guy as I paid up for, but instead I just figured I'd make it a PSA. Um, Kelsey is playing a team that ranks 31st in points allowed to the tight end position. Mark Andrews, who's the second highest guy on the board, is facing the team that has given up the 30th fewest points to the tight end position. 
So if I'm going to pay up for the guy that is the most expensive on the board and has a worse matchup, then I've got to avoid the next, next highest guy who's got a matchup that almost seems as bad on paper. Yeah, and, and don't be tricked by seeing the line from this past week where the Patriots scored a couple of touchdowns against uh, Cleveland with their tight ends. Um, again, we don't know who the quarterback was, is going to be for the Patriots going forward. Obviously, we know who the Baltimore quarterback is. Andrews is a good play, but he actually costs more than Kelsey on FanDuel. Yeah. So that makes no sense. The other guy almost penciled in, and kind of I look at him kind of like in the whole Amon Rossi Brown part is Darren Waller. We just don't know what, what's going to happen with him coming back off the bye from this. He was injured going into the bye. So um, I, I looked at that too, and Houston's actually done pretty bad against tight ends this year. Though the guys that I looked at, they'd given up quite a few points to the position. So I, I decided against using him. That's uh, I looked down a little further. I'm like, well, there's Hawkinson, and that just that's screaming to me. Uh, even at the, I mean, 4800 sounds like a decent price on DraftKings for him. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a scary it's a scary proposition. There, there's guys a lot cheaper that I'd rather roster than him this week. Okay, so let's do your fun thing here. Who who's your value play? Oh, my value play. Uh, I'm going to get a revenge game in here as my value play. Okay, that's going to be Evan Ingram versus the Giants. Uh, this is a Giants team that's allowed a tight end score each of the last two weeks. Plus, Ingram is currently third on the Jaguars in total targets total receptions, and total receiving yards. And 16 of those targets have come in the last two weeks. So they're obviously making it a point to make Evan Ingram a part of this offense. And he gets the revenge game here. He's going to score, and that's all you really need to reach three times value on DraftKings. That's that's not a bad play. I completely missed that whiff on that one. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, so initially I wrote down Gerald Everett. And then I said, yeah, you know what, though? I just I, I, I like Gerald Everett's matchup a lot this week, too. I, I really considered him. I At like, 6300 on FanDuel is not a value, though. <laughs> no, it is not. And that is why I eventually pushed away. And I, Well, if I like the matchup for Everett that much, Donald Parham Jr. makes a really sneaky play. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. He's not playing enough snaps yet, right? And, and oh. we don't have this week to look at because the game's going on right now. So I wound up going to a guy that I really thought that we were going to match on. I've already said, I'll take any part of this passing attack this week. Give me Hayden Hurst as my value play. Uh, you know, I, I've also, I, I built a few lineups already this week, as I mentioned earlier, including some with Gerald Everett, some with Engram, and some with Hurst. Uh, my only concern is I, I don't know what his target share is going to be going forward now that all three of the wide receivers are healthy. Very, I think that he played a, a much bigger role, obviously, while Higgins was limited because Hurst could kind of line up as the tall outside receiver, really playing a, a true, almost like a Z position rather than playing out of the tight end spot. That's fair. That is fair. But like I said, I'm going to pay up the most I can for, for Chase. I'll take a small piece of the pie with a, with a cheap flyer on somebody. It's like a nice Hurst. third leg of a stack there. Yeah. So... That's there. You have it. We did. We hit the over with six, um, six point five. If you want to count Wandale, since Cobb is out, and I didn't realize it, um, but we won't. We won't. Um, anything you want to add before we wrap it up here? No. Uh, just go out there, have fun. This is a tough week. Again, look at look at that primetime slate. It's really really ugly. 
So uh, check out thehuddle.com. Check out our uh, Daily Dominator. Obviously, I'll break down that slate in its entirety. Go out and sign Greg Dolchich to a massive free agent deal. <laughs> hey, hey, got a question for you. I know in a few weeks you got some problems at wide receiver, and I've got some depth. I was wondering, any chance that you'll take Randall Cobb? Because he's got a good matchup in a few weeks. Um, and I'll take somebody like, I don't know, uh, Jacoby Myers off your hands for you. You know, uh, considering that we don't know what the quarterback situation is there, if I, if I knew for certain that Randall Cobb was going to be back in three to four weeks, I'd probably do. I'd probably look at that and think to myself, maybe I'd do that. But obviously, now he's on IR. I'm not going to do that. So don't uh, be that okay. guy. I had to try. I had to try. Yeah. <laughs> don't be that guy. Basically, is what I'm trying to get at. But be that guy that subscribes to the huddle, that follows Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley, that follows me on Twitter at Steve Gallo NFL, and by all means, always be that guy that gets blitz responsible. Cheers. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.